there, my name is Joe Shufo and welcome to Tech Talks in 20, the podcast designed to better your customer experience in around 20 minutes with Genesis experts. I'm joined by Becky Powell, a principal product manager, and Randy Carter, a product marketing director here at Genesis. And today we're talking Genesis Cloud Platform. So often we think about a platform as this generic term for uh, you can do everything. But what it's really about is knocking down silos. It's unrealistic to think that you can run your business off of one single piece of software. You need to give customers a seamless experience, but you're probably looking at the hurdles you have to jump over just to get all of those things to talk to each other. Well, Genesis Cloud was built from the very beginning with integrating and sharing and using those pieces together from the very start. So we talk with Becky and we talk with Randy on how we can leverage APIs, how we can leverage the integrations in a platform to do great things for our customers and not stumble upon getting all that information in one place so that we can use it right away. I hope you love this episode and thank you so much for joining us. Well, Becky and Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. And we love to start every episode off with really the same question. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how it's enabled you in that role you have today here at Genesis? Yeah, I'm Randy Carter. I am very conflicted about being a marketing person because I feel like I'm a developer and I was a developer. I was one of the very early people in working on uh, Genesis Cloud in 2012, uh, when we were starting to make decisions about the platform. And I'm really excited about how it's all grown up so nicely. It's just, uh, it's been just a wonderful experience. And my role in development teams is I'm a user experience architect. And a user experience architect is trying to figure out how to make software that people can actually use. And to do that, we have to talk a lot to a lot of different people. And we interpret back and forth. So I would talk to product managers and I would talk to customers and I would talk to users and I would talk to developers and I would talk to other UX people and they all speak different languages. So my job primarily was interpreter and I'm still doing that today. So that's what I hope to bring. Becky. Yes. So in my career, I think I've dabbled in basically every function of product management from new product development product launches, portfolio planning, and even a bit of UX design. But I've always been drawn to the back end. I've always been curious about how the sausage is made. And I'm also kind of a creative soul, which all kind of leads me to the world of APIs, integrations, and open platform, which is what I do here at Genesis. That's awesome. And that leads very nicely into that next question of, we were so excited to have you both on here today because it was a chance to talk about Genesis Cloud, and you both know it at the foundational level. Today, customers are probably hearing that term platform a lot from a lot of different places. And I know we talk about it in Genesis Cloud as a platform, but this is a great opportunity to dig into that. And could you add a little bit more color for us around what is Genesis Cloud as the platform and why should prospects or people that are using it today, why should they care about that? What are they getting from a platform? Yeah, Joe, you're exactly right. The word platform these days is often used as a buzzword. Lots of applications are actually just code bases and not platforms. And I, I kind of liken the difference between an application and a platform 
the difference is maybe the uh, building a chair versus building a workshop that other people can use to build a chair or a table or a spaceship. So for us, the word platform is really about extensibility and experience. It's a foundation for iteration and an ecosystem that allows growth through connections. So Genesis Cloud is not just a set of features wrapped up in a UI. It's not just a product suite. In fact, it's not even just a set of APIs, but that workshop that gives customers the ability to connect their tools, their processes, their teams, and their data. Wow. How do I follow that? So one of the things that really struck me about the the team when we were starting up this from the very beginning cloud thing that we started building years ago was we had a lot of people who had been around and around with different platforms and different technologies. And one of the things we absolutely agreed on as a group was we didn't know a lot about what we were going to be building. So the thing that held us together and held the platform together was this, this notion of adaptability, that everything we did, we had to build it with, an, with a, a view that we were going to get smarter and we needed to leave room to grow. And we needed to make the platform features and the APIs work in a way that we could bring it all forward and not ever have to just stop something and start over again. And that kind of insight in the way that we approach that and culturally the way that we made decisions affected a lot of our thinking in the early days about building this as a platform and as a service-oriented architecture, which is a fantastic concept that just is so deep, I cannot possibly even begin to go into it. But this idea that it's really easy to build bad software than it is to build good software. Building great software that's easy to use, that has great experience, that's easy to extend, that takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of rework, too. And that's kind of part of the platform that we built is a ton of work that continues every week to make this system kind of effortless on the top with a lot of churn underneath that supports all of that. Randy, I, I love that you took us back to kind of the, the genesis of, of Genesis Cloud, that the fact that platform was really you know in our bones from the very beginning. And I wasn't here at the beginning like you were, but what I've seen in my time is so many companies end up developing their APIs as an afterthought. They build a product first, and then they realize that they need to open up that product. And then they have a really hard time kind of folding in the APIs into the, the code base that they are, are trying to, to support. And Genesis Cloud was quite different in its inception. It really was API first from the very beginning. It was very much a for us, by us mentality. And that's one of the strengths of our platform is that we never pivoted to be API first. We've been API first since the very beginning. And actually, just to hit on some of the things you both have brought up here, I didn't even think about that. The idea that maybe you came to Genesis Cloud because you had a need. Maybe that need was voice specific. And then as we see in Latin America right now, everyone's on WhatsApp. That's the way people are engaging. You probably didn't scope that out for your business a few years ago, but all of a sudden you need to be able to adapt and use it. And Becky, the way you visualized having a workshop already built or having to build a workshop before you actually get to build what you'd love to build, that's a really good way to put it. And that there is so much that goes into the thoughtfulness of what APIs do you need? What does an interface look like? And how do you just get started with that? Randy, did you have more on that too? One of the things that really helped us a lot, well, two things. One was that we were three states away from the company that was interactive, that was paying for all of this, that, for us to build this thing. And so we were not where people could look over our shoulders, but they had 
20 years of experience at building contact center software. And we were able to call on that and ask questions about what were the sticking points? What were the things you wish you could have done over again if you had a chance? Because there's, there's always compromise in this. And so one of the things we decided early on was the interactions with people were not phone calls. They're not chats. They're not emails. They're, they're conversations. And we, so we built this kind of higher order notion of what an interaction is. And, and we tried to build everything to fit into that so that we could extend it and we could move sideways and we could add more channels. But they would all fit into this notion of it's a conversation. And we could use that to hold this customer journey together and be able to do all the reporting and things like that that you were going to need to do. There's an old Mark Twain quote, and it's, the best swordsman doesn't have to worry about the second best swordsman. He's got to worry about the person that's never held a sword before and is doing the things they shouldn't be doing. And I think you're kind of channeling that, Randy, here is we have experience, but we're not looking at it as the restrictions that were already in place. We're looking at it as, well, what happens if I never learned the things I shouldn't do? Maybe those restrictions aren't there anymore and we can think a different way and build a different way. It sounds like that's exactly what happened here with that interaction that might exist. And it's not channel specific. It's not just an IVR like we used to think. Yeah. The the cloud and the way that we we're able to draw on resources changed completely the way that we design things, the way that we think about just the whole way we could build APIs is we always had this notion of APIs and, and SDKs before the cloud, but now we, we have the horsepower to really make it happen. One thing I would love to bring up is I've even seen in the past when we look at those on-premises systems that you could build whatever you want, and then you were responsible for whatever you just built. And oftentimes someone might leave. Maybe there was an engagement with a, an old partner that doesn't exist anymore. And you're left wondering what has happened. Did the change mask over what used to be there from the existing code? Is it overriding your database? Those things are scary. And it sounds like, Becky, one of the things you brought up here is thinking about APIs from the beginning means that you have a consistent source to build on top of. But that source is still there. You're not really disrupting it in that way. Do you see, just kind of throwing some questions here, as APIs as a chance to make it easier to get to developing, but not put people in the situation where they no longer understand what the core of it was? Yeah, absolutely. We have a saying in our developer engagement team that's let's build something great together. So we're not just providing frameworks, APIs, and SDKs for our customers to use or potentially misuse in a vacuum without support and empathy and engagement from our teams. We really do partner with our customers all along the way. Okay, so that, that leads to one of the questions that I'm sure both of you get all the time. What about other clouds? And you know, I joke, I promise this wasn't a planted question, but I imagine someone who's already invested in other clouds when we look on the public cloud level or even specific technologies when we look at natural language understanding, they're thinking, what then? Am I already locked into another platform? How do they work together? First of all, there are other clouds. Yes. And, and some of them are doing some amazing things. But what we're trying to do is create a system that makes it easy to bring a lot of things together. And that means, you know, when you look at all the things you could build, it's a giant bell curve. And you don't, no one has the resources to build everything in there. What you try to do is you try to pick the really smart stuff that's in the middle, build that first, and then start expanding out. And so calling back to that notion of adaptability, we knew no matter what we built, somebody else would build something that would be even better later on. And we didn't want to block them 
from being able to do that. That's a that's another kind of cloud thing that's very different from premise software where you sort of want to lock people in to an ecosystem if for no other reason than just for stability. In the cloud, you want people to be able to connect all different kinds of things to there because you don't have time to build all that stuff. You don't have other things that you want to make better and better and better. And they may be different from what these other companies are building. I love that we built a system that was easy to connect to Google AI. It was easy to connect to Amazon Lex. It was easy to connect to Azure and IBM Watson. And we've got lots of customers that are using all of those technologies and they work very nicely with our system. And we have our own AI technologies so that all can work together and you can use them in combination. It's not an either or sort of thing. And that's the value of being flexible and adaptable when you're going at these things. Yeah, we like to say that we're solutions agnostic. So even though our tech stack is built on AWS, that does not preclude any of our customers from extending our core functionality using a variety of integrations, tools, or platforms of their choice, including Amazon, Google, or Salesforce. That's a a fantastic way to put it. And we've seen that even back with the episode we had with Jack. There were customers that already had existing investments from a natural language understanding standpoint. And so they would either absorb a new business unit from uh, the company standpoint, they bought another company, or so-and-so already signed a contract and, and that's already done when they're trying implementing Genesis Cloud. And it was the ability to bring that in and orchestrate from one place and say, you can use that technology too. There might be other things like language requirements as you look at globally. And maybe some of these technologies are really good in certain languages and you shouldn't be excluded from that experience just because you made a choice that you thought was the right one. So that's, that's really great to hear. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And this is a really, really, especially AI, very rapidly evolving area. So we're constantly evaluating what are the best technologies out there. And it's just an exciting time to be working in these areas. I think it does come back to what does the future look like? You can't predict it. So you have to be ready for it. And Randy, you brought up adaptability. And a lot of that is knowing that you can be adaptable allows you to look at it and go, I don't know, but I I can definitely be ready and I can definitely start to plan around what helps the customer that that we're serving, not around the limitations that I currently have. So that takes us into what does success look like? Are there stories out there or even examples of businesses that have bettered their customer experience and how they're leveraging our platform to, to break through what we would consider those old pains they're having? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things that always astounds me when we have this big room in the upstairs office in Raleigh, Durham, where we started Genesis Cloud and we just keep gradually growing and we're taking over the whole building now. But we have this big room that has all the dashboard displays all lined up on the big screens on the on the side. And looking at the astounding number of transactions that we're doing through our APIs now is just it's insane. We're we're doing two or three billion transactions a week now. Thirteen uh, billion a month last month. It's hard to keep up with. It's amazing. But what always strikes me is that more than half of those interactions are actually not us. Those are third-party API calls. That's customers that have built their own API connections that are that are talking to our system, which means, wow, this is this is really working. I mean, we, we want to build a system that makes it really easy for other people to connect to it and do whatever they want to do. 
So much so that 70% of all of our customers are using the APIs through an integration that either they built or they partnered with another organization to build. So I think that the proof is really in the pudding there. We, we can say that we're a platform because we have the evidence to prove as much. That's a great point. Yeah. So for those wondering, can you back this up? Yes. It's not even about backing it up. It's that it's already happening and at a pretty big amount. And below the surface, it, it gets very complicated in a hurry because we've got so many different ways that we've built to connect to these systems. But I want to make one thing really, really clear, which is we honor the notion of the API in a very, very fundamental and, and deeply felt way in that we never want to do changes to our system that are going to break things. So a lot of the work that we're doing is actually under the covers, redoing services, adding more data. But when we add data, we add it in a way that it doesn't affect any of the previous calls that were already written that go into it. And we're getting smarter and we're building these APIs to be more powerful all the time. But we're doing it in a way that's not disruptive at all. And that's really hard. It takes a lot of work. And I think it but, speaks to our our focus on developer empathy. In Genesis Cloud, developers are a constituent just as much as any other kind of user of the application. And we are tremendously careful to introduce enough change to, to keep up with this ever-changing technological landscape, but to never disrupt our customers' given uh, current workflows. I recently was working with one of our developers on a presentation on, on the fundamental categories of integrations that you could do. And I, I was shocked. He's got three major categories. And then within each one of those categories, there's like four to nine smaller categories. And, and so when you add all that up, that's a lot of different ways to get into our data, get things back out, listen to notifications. I mean, we're even getting to the point now where you'll be able to inject notifications events into our system to be able to do other kinds of things. And that's really exciting. It's just growing. It's continued to grow, and in a, but in a really well-planned way. I think that's a critical point in the way that we define ourselves as open platform. We're not just a set of APIs, right? It's really that workshop that I mentioned earlier, wherein we publish developer tools and applications, frameworks, data actions, event streams, extensible services like BYOT and BYOC, and webhooks the entire toolkit that our customers need to build what in the end is kind of a, a composable CX platform being the end result. Maybe walk us through that notion of a composable CX platform a little bit. And, I, and Becky, I know you just hit on that, a lot of these things coming together, but is that something you see becoming increasingly more important as we look towards digital interactions, maybe people interacting with us in ways that aren't physical anymore, that we've got to somehow know how we can do a better job to help them. Is that what you're seeing? I think even more so in, in the current COVID world, we're seeing differences in the ways that people use technology, differences in the ways that agents are interacting, not going into a physical office anymore, but really relying on the cloud and on remote technology, changing work hours, changing priorities, and keeping up with that. Yeah, data changed fundamentally. I think that first week for us, as, as people started you know, moving people out of their offices, uh, the, the patterns that we saw changed completely. Uh, and one of the things that that affected, for example, is the automated testing. So we do a lot of modeling in our automated testing of what does the real world look like. And we update that all the time based on the kinds of patterns that we're seeing. And they had to change a lot of the shape, the shaping of the loading in the automated testing systems to mirror that new 
the new world where a lot more WebRTC activity was happening and a lot more people working remotely and different different speeds of connection, things like that, that all affected the system, but it all adjusted. I love that. And I think even from a simple story, something you guys brought up was webhooks or integrations in other systems. We had a bank that mentioned one of the problems they had was if your card was declined, that system was completely unrelated to your customer experience. So let's say you're a prime customer of theirs. They want to get a new credit card in front of you that's got great reward benefits, but you're going to the bank website because your card was just declined for some reason. And you're hit with an ad that says, we've got a great new credit card for you. That's kind of a terrible time to say, we've got a great new credit card for you after we just declined your card. So being able to bring those touch points together and understand that Empathy sometimes means even if you have the right match, it's not the time to show it. And having that visibility is really important. That's so great to hear. Yeah. Picking up that context for what, when things are out of normal has been traditionally, those are all edge cases and they get done last and they're hard to do. I mean, that's one of the things that AI technology is, is helping us do is it's helping us to understand the shape of these patterns better and being able to recognize when there are opportunities to do things different. Like, for example, if I have a, if I have a shipment that's lost, don't send me a request for a customer satisfaction survey. <laughs> Let's wait until that shipment arrives to do that. Nobody can run a business anymore without lots of systems. Yeah, gone are the days of a single software product being able to solve 99% of your business problems. I think, you know, our customers know that they rely more and more and more on different technologies to support their customer experience. And part of our world is knocking down those silos and knocking down those walls so that at the end of the day, no matter how many different integrations or applications our customers are using to serve their customers, their end customers get a seamless experience. Then they don't realize that they've been handed off from the payment processing application over to the CRM, over to the alerting system. For them, the, the experience needs to be completely seamless. Yeah, just connect all those dots together. And that's been really hard for so many, for decades. That's required a lot of really hard work. And it still requires work, but it's it's gotten fundamentally easier. I mean, you think about just a simple transaction, like if you're moving funds from one account to another, you've got to gotta do authentication. You've got to authenticate whether or not the, the person doing it on behalf of it, or even the ATM has got permissions to do that. You've got accounting that you've got to do. You've got notifications that you have to send. You've got to update logs and create an audit history that that thing happened. And a lot of times those are all separate systems that have to be connected together. So creating a really seamless experience for that customer, if, how do you do that unless you've got a tool that allows you to connect a lot of these things together in an, in an easy to understand way? And the other thing that's happened out of this too, and this is, this is the UX part of my brain exploding, is we've also, at the same time we've solved this problem for the customer, guess what? A lot of those same problems are even amplified more on the agent or customer support person's side. And the same technology is making their job so much easier so that they can spend time actually listening more and, and being more empathetic with these customers that are calling in and even queuing up what is likely that the customer is calling for so that they've got easy options to, to re respond very fast. It's like a win to the hundredth power win. It's amazing. I think that's such a crucial piece. The idea that you want a seamless experience for your customers. But Randy, to your point, there are so many things that you are connecting. And I imagine for a business, 
your thought process was, I wanted to start with the seamless experience, but there's so many hurdles in front of me that at this point, I just don't want to look bad. I've got to get this to work so that it's even possible for the business to accomplish this. So what you end up doing is building systems that help you because you just need to get it done and it becomes less about the customer experience. So Becky, coming back to your point, knocking down those silos and being able to actually focus on what's the customer experience we want. That's really empowering to be able to even remove those restrictions to start thinking that way. And you build something different as an end result. And you can keep changing it too. That's the other thing is with premise software, we sort of lured ourselves into this situation where we thought, as long as I can avoid an update, everything is going to run fine. But meanwhile, the rest of the world was continuing to change around you. So even if you were able to hold onto your onto your island of stability, all of this other accumulated change that needed to be done was being put off. With cloud, we can keep working on those things. You can keep refining things day to day, week to week if you need to. It's always going to be here and it's always going to be stable and it's always going to be continuing to add more power over time. That's a great point. You hear those horror stories of old on-premises contact centers that had a CD for their whole music that had been spinning for, I think, like decades. And, and the answer was just don't touch it. Like, <laughs> don't, don't touch it. It works. It doesn't matter. Just don't touch it. So it's so funny that stability was sometimes just staying away and not needing to change it. Stability was it just continues to work, which isn't necessarily an end goal. I have a question for Becky. So we, we're continuing to make a lot of changes to the platform and to these APIs. And as you do that, you're sort of concentrating on what's the next thing, what's the next thing, what's the next thing. But if you, if you turn around and you face backwards and you look at what's happened in 2020 with the platform, is there anything that jumps out at you as something that is really cool that we added this year? Yeah, definitely. Things that we've added this year and also things that we, you know, continue to roadmap for 2021, I think really speaks to the the changing world of COVID. So with so much of the global workforce having moved from an office to remote, we see that companies, our customers are missing out on some of the crucial context that they naturally received, you know, in supporting their own agents and in understanding the success of their own organization that they would get from the water cooler, that they would get from walking by, you know, agents' offices or desks. So what we really see and what we're answering to is customers' greater needs for analytics as well as WEM and WFM tools. So again, in that absence of in-person context, uh, really leaning hard into those two specific areas to make this world of working in COVID a little easier. So that's that's great. And I think as you talk about what's coming forward, are the things that people can really look forward to for a platform getting better and better? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So some things that are in the pipeline right now, actually we have this in, in a beta release, is an integration with AWS EventBridge. And what this allows customers to do is to subscribe to data events and ingest those events. And the event could be something like a conversation beginning or an alert or a, a survey response. And having the ability to ingest those events into their own system. And this really speaks to that greater need for deeper analytics and also the needs of our customers you know, to ingest data into their own BI tools of choice. So again, you know, we are solutions agnostic. We invest heavily in our own analytics user interface, but knowing that some customers need to be able to work, you know, where they're already working in their own BI tool, the event bridge integration is going to provide customers with that mechanism to get their Genesis cloud data into their workspace of choice. 
And I know that's a huge one. I actually came from a data background and you have your own tools. Those are what you know. And sometimes you just want to get the data in there because that's how you can start to formulate it, cross-reference it. That's great to hear. Absolutely. We have customers who've spent years building up their data pipelines and their their Tableau instances or their Power BI instances. And they've got data from multiple systems feeding into that BI tool of choice and the ability for them to also get their Genesis cloud data into their existing systems means they're not starting over from scratch and they're not looking at their analytics data in two separate places. So we have gone through a lot. And I know for those listening, they're probably really excited and they're wondering where can they jump in and get started and i think we see people that are just trying to learn more or even get started are there resources that we have out there for for people to do that absolutely i would always recommend people start off at developer.mypurecloud.com. This is our developer center. It's chock full of really great information, resources, getting started guides, and developer tools. So again, this is this is your the 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 door to your workshop. And it's and it's always being updated. There's there's fresh information out there all the time because you know, we, frankly, we're using the same APIs. We need documentation too. So, that that's such a good point. Yes, the, these APIs are our APIs that that we use as well. That's great. And and even a shameless plug for myself, we have an episode with Jim Crispino going through what developers have done with developer.mypurecloud.com. It's a an amazing resource. I'm so glad you brought that up. So let's end it with my favorite question. I always love to ask, what's the part of your personal tech stack that you cannot live without? And it could be anything. It could be an application, a device. So we're an Apple household without Siri, but we have these devices that are spread around the house that Apple doesn't even make anymore. In fact, I'm I'm hoarding them. I'm buying them on eBay because I, I love them so much. It looks like the same as a power supply for a laptop, but it's actually a little Wi-Fi device that has an Ethernet port. But the main thing it has is it has an audio port out of it. And I can use these devices to stream into any of the stereos or the TV systems that are in the house. So you can be listening to a podcast and it's coming from everywhere all at the same time. Or you can turn on and off a particular room so you can turn on the kitchen and turn off that. So I know it's really nerdy, but we love those things. And I don't even know what they're called anymore because Apple stopped making them years ago. And Becky, what about you? I am loving an application called Miro, M-I-R-O. It is an online collaboration tool. And I know that there are so many of those out on the market right now, but Miro is essentially a virtual whiteboard with sticky notes that really gracefully handles remote work. So when I'm working with my teams, whether that's the developer teams or marketing teams, or it's, it's not just suited for a product management use case. It's suited for any kind of collaborative use case where there are visual components involved. And it works really brilliantly for brainstorming sessions, the way that we used to all get together in a conference room with a whiteboard. We're able to have that same experience now virtually, which I honestly, at the beginning of COVID, didn't really think was ever going to be gracefully solved. And with that, thank you so much for those who are listening. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Tech Talks in 20. Be sure to check out the resources on this episode. That's the developer.mypurecloud.com. And don't forget to click subscribe. This way you can tune into more focused episodes on bettering your customer experience. Thank you so much, Becky and Randy. And thank you so much to those who are listening. 